I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, damn it! Ah, would have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You want your file? I found you your file. You want it out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you blind. No use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlett. I know you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was going to love me? Who, who was going to make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost and wait this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Supporting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite Best Supporting Actresses. My name is Nick Kachanov, and I never play frumps or virgins. (laughs) And my name is Colin Drucker, and this is All Stars People. It's crazy, right? (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't not. Oh, I I could I mean, not cross over. We're already all over the place just to start, but it really is a moment. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, for those who don't know, I feel like there's a lot of crossover <sighs> listeners, but this is, of course, a Drag Race All Stars Five reference that we both queened out about separately. Uh, yes, on, on our individual individual podcasts, podcasts. Yes. and so, and I was just like, oh. I feel so seen that you saw Alexis Mateo do the finger the thing. Hand. The hand yeah, thing. Yeah, it was it was it was so interesting to me. Yeah. And I didn't catch it until the second time around. And I that's when I really started to really appreciate and fully love Alexis Mateo all over again. I was Same. like, her talking heads are something else. Same. It was Same. like she was just trailing off, kind of like looking at her fingernail as she said it. I it's it was like it is incredible. No one told her to do that. It was so perfect. Yeah. It was so it's good. crazy, right? It's, it's crazy, so she's, right? And she's like kind of distracted. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like like what she's got nothing else to do there, you know, but like <laughs> sure I'll give you a talking head. It was yes. <clears throat> anyway, so folks who are not interested in hearing drag race references, I promise that's it. But um I couldn't not because, I mean, it's not my BSA of the week, but it is indeed that moment still hit a lot of the BSA notes we talk about on this podcast. It really did. Yes. I knew that was probably it because you texted me before we recorded Squirrel Friends and you're like, there are a couple nuances that I really, and I knew that it had to be one of them. Yeah. Either that or like a juju moment or an angina moment Mm -hmm. or something like that because, ugh, they're just to die for. They are bringing the BSA energy uh, for the they next are the whole cast. Weeks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, which I'm I, excited. I am <clears throat> certainly welcoming because obviously, uh, as our our loyal uh, best supporting listeners know, we yeah. did take a week off from this podcast because it just felt like it just made sense to just go dark. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think the whole week last week a lot of people did too, and and people are slowly getting back into the groove too. But it's also you know, the fight is not over. Stay vigilant, everyone. And and everyone is doing their part, doing as much as they can, however little or however big, too. And I think that's the most important. Keeping your foot on the gas. There's like a lot of memes that I've seen over the past week. And I think that's one that's kind of just sticking with me too. Yeah. Keep moving forward. Keep fighting for the right things. Yeah. We will be going forward, obviously, talking about Diane Weiss today in Bullets Over Broadway. Yes. But first, first things first, just to acknowledge that we took a week off. Um and uh, we are happy to be um, providing you maybe an hour of, you know, uh, a mental break. Consider that yeah. what this is today. Yeah, absolutely. I've been listening to a lot of Lady Watch recently, speaking of episodes in the past. Mm-hmm. And 
it's really kind of been my bread and butter throughout this whole like quarantine process. I listen to All Right, Mary, and Lady Watch, and Amanda loves the Hey Teen Mom. I, of yeah, course, I feel like that's uh, yeah. I listen to a lot of old Lady Watch. I heard you and Amanda talking about that, and I was like, yes. <clears throat> I've I've been listening to episodes from 2015, and I'm like, oh. oh yeah. Speaking of things of just like way back in the day that have no relevance now, or a lot of movies that they talk about, like that were supposedly greenlit that just never happened. To I was listening yeah. to something the other day, and I was like, I would love to see that, and then it never got made. Right? But, yeah. That's the biz. That's, that's Hollywood. Yeah. It's. Uh, I was listening to some episodes kind of in like the post-Trump era, and I was like, oh, you know, I think I need I need to go back to just like some kind of ignorant bliss here like let me go back yeah. a few more years you know um, yes and yeah. so that has been a bomb and uh certainly amanda loves to hate teen mom uh i there, what was the episode that she did with jody where jody did the impression of somebody's mother tammy or it was the oh it was oh. the the family boot camp episode oh my god i didn't listen to oh, it oh it's great that's a great episode <laughs> yeah. it's it's like so much fun um anyway uh, so we, if you, if those are podcasts in your feed, then maybe best supporting podcast will uh, join those ranks of yeah. easy shower listening when you need to, you know, calm your brain. Yeah, I never started listening to podcasts until you and Johnny mentioned it on All Right, or um, in the shower rather. Mm -hmm. I would, I was always too nervous, and my phone would like drop in. And I, mm -hmm. I said it, I'm, I'm pretty risky in the shower when it comes to like, I, I said it like in the corner, like on the top, there's like this little shelf, but <laughs> it only takes a second for me to like splash the wrong way and it's all over. But uh, why don't you get some kind of like, you know, Bluetooth speaker? I guess I could. You know what? I have one. It's a really nice one too. It's like a Bose uh, yeah. Bluetooth speaker. I never thought of that. Wow. I could like really you could, get some work done. Yeah. You could, you're really limiting yourself here. Like I don't, I don't take a, a, a shower with a podcast the way someone takes a bath with a toaster oven like i'm you know i'm keeping it far away <laughs> yes that's true that's true <laughs> toaster oven. it's even better than a toaster yeah a toaster, toaster oven, oven. Yeah. oh yeah no. i mean they really are we have a toaster oven and we've never gotten back I, i'll tell you what i grew up with a toaster oven yeah Ooh, yeah that's nice yeah you can cook anything in a toaster oven you're brave enough yeah <laughs> how did we get here anyway um Ugh. well you know we are of course uh we i feel like the last few weeks just of our own podcast beyond uh current events we had some heavy episodes in terms of we did we had the diary of anne frank we had oh, yeah. um what was the one we did after that that was also oh streetcar named desire oh streetcar named desire i mean yes, just some yes. like we we went in for like the um the heavy lifting BSAs. Yeah. And and not to say that Diane Weist in Bolts Over Broadway isn't heavy lifting, but it's certainly lighter, somewhat oh, lighter yeah, content. As a whole. Yeah. Yes. So, Colin, have you had you seen this movie prior to us revisiting it this week? No. I and oh, you haven't part of it okay. being that obviously as we discovered along the way, it was very hard to find. So even if I was looking for it. Oh my lord, yeah. that's a story. Yes. Yeah. I need to um keep talking about that as I pull up our um our sort of like BSAs of finding this movie here. Yeah. I mean I will say that I, I noticed and I don't know if it's true, but Google seemed to suggest that Bolts Over Broadway may also be on that's right, folks. Pluto TV. No. It seems like a Pluto TV movie. It said it was there, but but I did not follow up. So that being said, okay. it's not that I was even really looking for bullets over Broadway. I think it was one of those movies that I, the only thing I knew about it was one of those Best Supporting Actress compilations on YouTube. And when they get to 1994, 
they would show Diane Weist putting her hands on John Cusack's mouth and say, don't speak, don't <laughs> speak. And that was I all I knew. Sure, I know. I think I saw it. Well, first of all, I want to give a shout out. There's two BSAs that really helped us um, find this movie because it was nowhere. Mm. It was not on YouTube. It was not on Prime. It was not on iTunes. It just And I even Googled, like, is there some sort of copyright thing that's just like, prohibiting it from being out in the world i don't know but we had a hell of a time finding it but i could out i put out the back call on facebook and Paige watts to the rescue hooked us up um but i also want to give a shout out to um brian gingold who i don't know and is one of my voice students like acquaintances and she tagged him in the post and he burnt um two dvds he actually burned one for me and for you, but oh. I, 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 I forgot to tell him that uh, tell him that you lived in New York. So, um, either way, it was so lovely, uh, and now I own it, so it's great. Wow! And Paige also hooked us up too. Yeah, and he t- he did it like right away. He's like, yeah, I can have it burned by tomorrow. Just stop over. He put it on the porch. It was socially distant. Oh. It was lovely. Wow! Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, and yeah, uh, that's how sweet. Um, Brian and Paige. Brian and Paige. Yeah. You know, it's like. God love him, you know? God I know, he- sometimes, as Keon says, sometimes you just have to ask. Oh, He's God. Like, you just have to- and it's like, yeah, it's a well, big one for me. I have social anxiety, so it's not that easy, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Like, all the anytime I have to ask for something, I am seven years old at a restaurant, and it's my turn to order. <laughs> yeah, I already Oh, God. <laughs> I had such... I, I would not even go up to the counter at Burger King and get ketchup packets. God, like, no. my mom would... My mom would be like, could you go get more ketchup? And I would just freeze in the booth. And I was like, I know. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Uh, I'm So, thank you. Thank you for pushing through that longstanding fear and asking. And alas, look what we got. Two DVDs and uh, some premium access, thanks to Paige. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to yes. share the deets because that was, you know, uh, on the DL. But thank you, Paige. We'd have to shoot you. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, how fitting. That right? was a bullets over Broadway. I know. That, that was my... <laughs> Don't know why I said that, but it's okay. <laughs> it was a Bullets Over Broadway reference, which is, yeah, that's I right. think, a it's great, on a great on theme, a great transition, because that was the one thing I was keen to bring up in talking about this movie. And of course, if you don't know what Bullets Over Broadway is about, it's about this struggling writer on Broadway who gets his play produced, but the hitch is that it's funded or it's backed by this mafioso, and he wants his girlfriend, played by Oscar nominee Jennifer Tilly, to get a role, and of course, she's terrible. And uh, calamity ensues, affairs ensue. It's a typical Woody Allen fair in that, like, there's a lot of women sleeping with men they could do better than. That's oh the yeah. Theme I always Woody go back movies. to Michael Caine. Yeah, <clears throat> Michael Caine. Oh. Yeah, Michael Caine and Hannah and her sisters. I still, yeah. I still think about that Oscar win like late at night in bed. I was like, he won an Oscar for that. Oh, I, I forgot that he won an Oscar for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird. Anyway. Yeah, Diane Weist, of course, plays this kind of has been actress Helen uh, Sinclair. Helen Sinclair, who has been in a series of flops and is looking for a comeback and. Um, and it's uh, the thing that I, I noticed kind of right off the bat was like, oh, it's got that like mafia movie thing that I that we talked about. We're like, oh, I can't oh, really yes. watch Goodfellas or I can't really watch this or that because I'm so nervous about someone getting shot. And I yes. found that this movie and maybe why the first time I watched it, one of the reasons I didn't really love it was the whole time I was like, oh, but when's someone going to get shot? Yeah. 
it's one of those movies that reminds me of it's almost in the same vein as like clue like people are getting murdered but it's it like the tone is set pretty clear on that it's a comedy too mm-hmm. i think this maybe is a little bit more violent or at least like you recognize and feel that violence a little bit more than you do in Clue. Mm-hmm. But um, it didn't bother me, which is a strange sentence to say, oh, the people dying didn't bother me. Yeah. But uh, but I know it's like, I don't know. It's it's just, it didn't happen too often. But I knew that like, um, I knew that Jennifer Tilly got killed. I, I had seen mm-hmm. this movie before um, back in the day, like way back in the day, probably like eight years ago or something like that too. But mm. yeah, I get what you're saying. It's not typically like our type. I don't really love any of the Godfathers. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It's just, they just stress me out. We talked about it before too. I can't go in every, like every scene I'm like, well, someone's going to get killed and I don't know when it's going to happen. And I'm just a nervous wreck about it. So exactly. Um, I think those scenes were set pretty clearly. Like if when, you know, shenanigans were going to happen too, but, uh, but within that, um, a really great cast, too, my yeah. lord. This is, I, I mean, he always tends to pull together great people. What is your, I mean, I want to go down like one by one here, but the first person, I don't know why I'm starting with her, but Mary Louise Parker, what do you think of her? Well, I felt like she had kind of a like, I didn't think she had a great role. Oh, in yeah, this her movie. role was, yeah, I thought it was a thankless role. I, um, I go back and, I and people have varying, yeah. Yeah, some people just love her and are obsessed with her. And I feel like maybe there's a correlation with people who loved weeds and really like sure. attach themselves to like her, you know, you know, performance in that in that show. Um and I never really got into weeds. Um the thing I know about weeds is she would always hold her iced coffee by the lid and talk about something that make you tense the whole time, you know? Um, oh, yeah. It's just like, you are waiting for a mess in the parking lot, lady. <laughs> um, and then what, you know? And so yeah. um, I I think it, I think like in this movie, for example, like there's a drollness about Mary Louise Parker mm-hmm. that if she doesn't have a good role it kind of makes her feel like it's like, do you want to be here, Mary? Like, is this yes, something you want to be doing? Yes. Am I bothering mm. you? <laughs> and so, yeah. It's like this, uh, disconnect almost. Mm-hmm. It's like either you're a really, really great actress or you're, or I don't know what the opposite answer of that is too. Cause like, I loved her in, I did like her in angels in America. I think that mm-hmm. was like my first, foray into like the mary louise parker universe too and i've seen her in other stuff too but she is sort of like spacey for lack of a better word yeah like Um, i kind of feel like like i could see her and you know the actress lauren graham from the gilmore girls who played them oh yeah yeah i could see them playing sisters where like mary louise parker is the depressed one and like lauren graham (laughs) is the one who's like hyperactive the fast talking, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, and so yeah, I, I, uh, I felt like she. I when I saw her on the cast list, you know, Woody Allen always kind of does that sort of marquee cast list of here's everybody in alphabetical order on one title. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, Mary Louise Parker, great. And then when she showed up in that like hat and just those like dowdy clothes and just kind of like, oh, hey, David, I was just like, oh. It's this kind of Mary Louise Parker. It's Mary Louise yeah. like in park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In park. <laughs> so true. I mean, and filling out the rest of this cast, I'm just gonna rattle them off real yeah. quick too. Um 
We have Jim Broadbent's, the glorious Jim Broadbent's. I loved him in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, spoiler alert for later, too. But um, one of the times I laughed out loud the hardest was a line of his. Um, we have Chaz Palminteri. Palminteri, yes. Yeah. Who was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar and so deserved. I was so happy for that because he is such a great character. He's like a, um, a gangster with like... a a heart of gold you know what i mean like mm-hmm. or at least he loves theater which i love seeing like a gruff rough and tumble guy have like a sensitive side that's like one mm-hmm. of my just like i i really latch on to that so it was cool to see him and he was he like wrote most of the play too which is great um we have rob reiner we have john cusack of course jennifer tilly harvey firestein for a bit mm-hmm. we have tracy allman oh. which i was super excited to see and i loved her in this too same um, i i just wanted to say like she was giving me such molly shannon vibes in this like i oh, could see she could definitely yes yeah i could see molly shannon doing this it was i'm sure we'll talk about her but i thought tracy allman was just like such a little joy oh yeah I mean, her and that dog, the mutt, as uh, Diane <laughs> Weiss calls it. Yeah. Is that a mutt? Is that a oh. mutt? The roar of the Weiss, it really is. Like, yeah. It's so iconic. Yeah, the beast of the Weiss. <laughs> the beast of the Weiss. She lets us have it, too. But, um, but yeah, Tracy Ullman was great. And a sort of, I don't want to say underappreciated, because I think we both appreciated her in this movie too and, mm. and and it's a it's a nice that's sort of like the noises off sort of section of the movie like anytime they're in yep. the theater it's not not it's like the only thing missing is like door slamming in everyone's faces but right it is sort of this ragtag team of a cast that has is you know eccentric and crazy all in their own way too but uh jennifer uh, jennifer tilly is um i always think of latrice royale um when she guested um uh-huh as a judge and they're like and this week's guest judge is jennifer tilly and someone else and they cut to a talking head of latrice royale amanda and i say this all the time we say academy award nominee jennifer tilly it doesn't get any better than that i love that line it doesn't get any better than that that's and i was like latrice do you know it's like when the queens don't know who the- maybe he does maybe he's a bullets over broadway fan i mean I'd say most gays know Jennifer Tilly. Sure. Um, but if you don't know, as soon as you look her up, you'll say, oh, yeah, her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she's a very, I mean, yeah, certainly a very distinct voice, very distinct distinct actor. Um, I was I was keen to see what she was going to do in this, knowing that she was nominated for an Oscar. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll get into her. But, uh, yeah, whether or not, is she the assistant to the Best Supporting Actress in this Ooh, movie? Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Or is it Tracy? Or is it Tracy? That's a great question. Um, We did get a very small role. uh, Edie Falco plays the assistant director. That's what I thought. I thought it was Edie Falco. Yeah. Uh, I I love her. Now, you have not really gotten into Nurse Jackie, right? No. And, like, here's my, my, like, I don't want to call it a beef. Like, really? Mm -hmm. And this is a sad confession but my only thing that i've ever seen her in is 30 rock and she's not great oh. in 30 rock she's fine she's like one of my least favorite jack donaghy girlfriends mm-hmm. but um so i would yeah. say just as a point of <clears throat> of comparison you know how julianne moore is terrible in 30 rock yeah she's just kind of fine too yeah yeah it, and yet she's great in other things i yes. would use the same lens like 
Edie Falco. I mean, yeah, I feel I agree. That's a whole other episode. Is like all of Jack Donaghy's Donag- Don- girlfriends are terrible actresses. Like at least in or they're poorly cast. I don't know. Like I can't think of any who were like really good. Maybe Selma I, I Hayek. Mean, I was just gonna say Selma. <laughs> It's almost the great, yeah, the best. She's the best. Um, that one scene where um, she's like, "Oh, she goes into Liz Lemon's office and she's like, do you want to see me naked?'" And Liz Lemon's like, "Kinda," <laughs> something yeah. like that. It was. Yeah. It's so good. Um, I, I yeah, it, it is strange. There's like Isabella Rossellini. Oh, the, I mean, that's his ex-wife, and then yeah. um, there's that girl from the newsroom, that like English girl. She has like the bones. Careful, my bones. Because oh, she has Emily, avian bone syndrome. Emily Morton. Emily something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Interesting. Anyway. I, it's a total tangent now, but I guess the I guess I could eat my words a little bit because Isabella Rossellini has that one line where he says Jackson's gonna like take away her Arby's share. Yes. Oh, Jack, not Arby's. You know how I love the big beef and cheddar. <laughs> She's like the way that ooh, I love my big beef. My big beef and cheddar. <laughs> yes. Also, I'll take it's it back. So good. That's a great yeah. moment. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I will say that there's elements of that performance and what we just like were queening out about from Isabella Rossellini that reminds me of what I think is funny about Diane Weist in Bullets Over yes. Broadway. How do you oh, like yeah. that transition? Hey, like I that. do like that. Yes. The sort of sudden burst of passion. She's mm-hmm. a very passionate woman. And that like the low voice kind of growl, like we talked about, like when when the beast, when the beast, the, the beast and the weast comes out. Um, yes, I read somewhere it was like just a YouTube comment on her on Diane Weiss' Oscar speech that apparently she was originally struggling with this character and was even telling Woody Allen like you know recast this role and it and Woody Allen's suggestion was to bring her voice lower and then that's how mm. she found Helen. And so yeah. I thought that was like, and because I, I think that that is what sells Helen Sinclair to me is, is the vocal work that, that Diane Weist is doing. Absolutely. I would agree more than 100%. It's, it's just like when she wants something, it does get a little bit higher if she's being a little bit flirty, but, but it, it is those like roar moments, you know, when we first meet her too. Well, we're also getting ahead of ourselves. Is there anything we need to cover before we like dive in? I feel like we're missing something, Colin. Did we skip um, a section? I mean, no. I th- I don't think we did. I think the one question I would ask you, maybe before we get more specific about Diane Weist, is I think that yeah. there's a lot about this movie, like the long rehearsal scenes. And like I have limited experience in that because i had a i had a play i wrote produced once in the fringe festival so like i've i've been in a rehearsal room uh i'm familiar um but uh you of course are way more familiar with this i'm sure and like this sort of some of this like almost inside baseball about the like nuances of rehearsal so i'm curious as a um like i felt like there were scenes that were set up to just show this is how it goes in a slightly absurd, you know, kind of way. Did that read for you? Yeah, I think you're you're hitting the nail right on the head. It's like, yeah, there's always, of course, there's like the first day of, the, and then everyone reads through the play, and then you might dissect a little bit of like, there's usually like, if, if you have time, because a lot of times rehearsals are, they're quick. It's like, you don't have time to sit down and, you know, pick apart a script word for word and really kind of... Um, you know, just dig your heels in and, and see what you can get out of it too. But most of that work is kind of done individually and then you bring, you know, whatever you bring to rehearsal and then see if it sticks. But um, yeah, I'd say for the most part, it's it's pretty 
normal. I mean, rehearsals are, I, I really, really love rehearsals. Um, whether it's like something musical or something like like in a choir or like an orchestra or a band or just um, in this case like a play or a musical, I I think that's like where the magic happens. Mm. Um, and like some of the like the greatest moments of like my theater sort of life have always been in rehearsal. Yeah, there's like great moments like in a show because like opening night is always great, and of course um, other things after that when people come to see you. But um, that's like the most hands-on sort of creative moment of the process too so um yeah but of course these characters are ridiculous too like the one thing that i feel that probably does still happen but i'm depending on like the actors too is like all these suggestions on like changes Mm -hmm. and how and that's like of course the caveat to like uh the whole gangster thing is like that uh, he he's kind of everyone's sort of slave to this idea of like well we have to make changes for jennifer tilly because if not we're going to get our legs broken. You know what I mean? So it's it's the perfect sort of way to create drama, I guess, really. But it's like funny drama. Uh, Right. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I love watching rehearsals and stuff like that. This this, is definitely fun for me to watch this. Yeah, I um, I certainly was familiar with that of like actors being Mm -hmm. like, I just I can't, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. And it's like, yeah. Okay, let's create a oh, whole yeah, I story. Can't say this line. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's create a it whole like narrative a on the spot of what that line's about so you can figure out how to say it. When in reality, I just wrote the fucking line because it sounded good. You know, like it's there's a lot of like catering to actors, you know. Uh Yeah, which yeah. sucks because like I'm sure like uh, you as a writer and like other people too that um like are composers or something like that too. It's you have to write for the people that are singing it, but also you want to stay true to what you want to do. I think the mm-hmm. one thing that really kind of is definitely probably true to this day is that first scene with John Cusack. I keep wanting to say Joan Cusack. I wish it was Joan Cusack. <laughs> yeah, um, I always want to be saying Joan Cusack. Yeah, <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, where he said, like, where he's in the office at the beginning and he's talking about, like, because it's the idea of, like, do you want, like, something that's really a piece of art or do you want, like, a commercial commercial piece of crap? You know, you're going to just, like pick all the good parts out of it to make it appeal to a broader audience. But it's also a business. And I, I understand that side of it too, which sucks for like writers. But, um, and it's like probably the reason why a lot of Broadway shows don't get produced because it's like, can we sell this? Mm-hmm. It's going to be as popular as Mamma Mia or Chicago or Phantom. It's just um, yeah. unfortunate because also Broadway is expensive too. So like, it makes sense that the, you know, the mafia is involved because they have money. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of it, it's true. I feel like there's a lot of shows where it's like, oh my God, what is this doing on Broadway? It's like, well, it's making money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, let's let's dive in. Um, yeah. Obviously, I mean, without spending too much time on all of the other nominees throughout this year, I uh, it, it was a bit of a mix, but I will say that Diane Wiest... Uh, not only did she win the Academy Award, but she also won the Golden Globe and like a shit ton of other like, you know, Independent Spirit Award or like, you the know, SAG, film, yeah. the SAG film critics, you know, circles around the country. Like she was the performance to beat this year when it came to supporting actresses. Uh, I I feel like commercially Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction feels to me or potentially, even though she didn't get nominated, like Sally Field and Forrest Gump would have felt like maybe the more 
obvious BSAs of that year. Yes, I agree with that too. Yeah. And Pulp Fiction is great. It's like when I first started dating Keon, we went through this phase of like watching each other's favorite films and he is mm-hmm. like a fight club kill bill sort of guy which is crazy but that's what he yeah. likes and uh we went through all the pulp fictions and all the pulp fictions there's only one <laughs> yeah. i was thinking of the kill bills there's more than one um but she's great uma thurman is fantastic and I, that was definitely a movie of the year like you said um, yeah yeah this is the the year of like forrest gump too wow it's it's a good year um it's a good year the thing that i read too is that it's almost like it reminds me of, like Melissa Leo and the fighter, how she like did her own campaign that Jennifer Tilly just kind of started yipping about it at parties. She's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, that's not exactly how it all went down, but um, that of course, uh, Harvey Firestein and the Weinstein company, um, they Harvey were really Weinstein. pushing Harvey Weinstein. What did I say? Firestein? Firestein. But of course he's in this. So it's, yeah. <laughs> so it was like, well, I think, I mean, did he I... might've been promoting it. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that correction. Yeah. Uh, two totally different men, I will say. Um, that uh, they were really pushing for, of course, um, Diane Weist to be in the supporting actress, for her to get the nomination, probably because she had one already under her belt for Hannah and her, and her sisters. Um, and Jennifer Tilly was not a part of that, but she kind of just weaseled her way in. I don't know who she talked to, but she just kind of self-promoted and she got the nomination. And I, I know that the Weinstein <laughs> were not happy because of that, but really? I love that story. Yeah, they weren't oh. really happy with her getting that because it's also competition for Diane. But mm-hmm. um, but why not? I mean, uh, more nominations, the better. I don't understand. And I, I don't know how it all works, too, but uh, I found that yeah. interesting. I feel like Jennifer Tilly's role in her performance, this this is the kind of performance that does get nominated. I feel like there was Leslie Ann Warren in Victor Victoria. Yeah. I think Madeline Kahn in Paper Moon. I think there's, yes. um, I can't remember her name from Singing in the Rain. Uh, but like this kind of role often gets recognized and nominated. Like in some ways there are elements of this role that i mean mira sorvino in mighty aphrodite won an oscar yeah. for this yes. uh again another another woody allen woody movie allen. but there's something mm-hmm. about this um this kind of daffy uh actress showgirl you know uh sort of char- young character actress kind of role that just is oscar bait so and i think jennifer tilly hits all of the notes necessary um to be nominated as well. I think she does a good job. Mm-hmm. Better than I expected. I'll say that much. Um, and I think she really shines when she's not fighting with someone. I think when she gets to be a little more low key and gets to be a little more just relaxed. Or... Oh yeah. Charm, charm, yeah. charm. Yeah. That was my favorites. It's like, yeah. it was almost my like opening line. Charm, charm. <laughs> it's just, oh, I love I... that that's her go-to. Like this is how you talk to people. And she, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. She really like, that's where we could kind of see the nuances of what she was doing. Would you say between, before we dive into Diane Weist, would you say between these two performances, it's like, Diane Weist is the clear winner or or is there a world for you where Jennifer Tilly could have stolen this gosh I don't know because it's a good question that I was I just lie away and lie awake in bed and think about uh every night too but I I I I think ultimately just because of the star power and the one Oscar under her belt yes it's it's Diane Weist and there's so many Mm -hmm. moments that make like even like the line the two martinis please dry and she's like oh you want one two three then like that's Mm -hmm. also the writing as well um 
But just like there's a moment where she holds the top of her fingers under her chin. It's like a lot of the choices. And she has a great entrance. She like throws oh. the script down the stairs. Like that is an entrance. Um yep. and and of course, like the don't speaks could get really annoying, but they have they have the potential to get really annoying because she says mm-hmm. it so many times. But each time she says it, like she goes further and further and further and I did laugh. I think that that's a hard sort of bit, like a returning bit to keep like, be, to make it fresh and to make it different every time is challenging. Mm-hmm. And I think she succeeds with that too. Because ultimately she's she knows she's not in love with him. So there's motivation behind it. Or she's just like playing him so she can get a play written for her. Um, yeah. That's an interesting but, note uh, yeah. that I think about her is, is Diane Weiss' job in this movie is to keep this character fresh and her choices fresh throughout the entire movie because I I really enjoy the performance but Helen doesn't have many she doesn't leave many rooms of of the house that she performed like she kind of stays in the same range she's always Helen is a is a broader character than say her character in Hannah and her sisters you know where oh, there's kind yes. of an evolution there's a humanity that which you know is a lot of work, but there's also a lot of room in there to play and to like be creative where I think in this role, there's tons of room to play, but there's not a lot of depth. And so that Mm -hmm. like could get dry as the movie goes on. And I think I'm the don't speaks maybe got a little old for me. If I'm going to be okay. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, that's fine. But I think that she was working really hard to try to keep them fresh. And so, I don't dispute the Oscar. I think I think the fact that whenever Diane Weiss was on screen, you could feel that it was just like there was a sense of they were just letting Diane Weiss do her thing. Like, yes. they gave her some direction and then she just ran with it. And uh, I was always kind of fascinated by like, okay, well, what's she going to do? What kind of gestures? What kind of vocal intonations is she going to bring? And I think that's kind of quintessential BSA of like, I'm excited to see what you're going to bring to this moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, she felt like a star whenever she was on screen, which I think mm-hmm. is important as well. I do love the other line where they're on the train and it's her and John Cusack. And he's like, oh, what is this? Because he gives her she gives him a drink. and <laughs> She says it's paint remover. You can cut it with a little bit of club soda. The way that right. she just throws that line away. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um yeah a lot because she's a pro she's like an olympic level alcoholic too which is always a fun nuance i mean alcoholism obviously is not fun and should be taken very seriously but it's 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 in this sort of like farce world that it's it's part of who she is too which which adds to who she is yeah yeah there's sort of a sense of like it there's a there's a darkness established very very early on in this movie of like don't take any of this too seriously like yeah you're gonna see like four people get shot in like the first five minutes you know just roll with it it's fine um now all this being said before we go on i do feel like we do at least owe ms weist an opportunity to accept her oscar yeah uh, oh yeah for all this work before we continue to celebrate it um Unfortunately, like so many other Oscar speeches we've featured on this podcast, there is a special thank you to Harvey Weinstein. Um, So consider this just a sign of how far we've come, that he's no longer ever going to be thanked at the Oscars ever again, even by women such as magnanimous as Diane Weist. Oh, golly. 
Oh, gosh. Just let me put on my glasses because this is as surprising and marvelous as it was the first time. Although this time I need glasses. <laughs> it's a difference, but I'm so privileged um, to be in the company of these gifted women, including Jennifer Tilly, my colleague, who's so wonderful. I'm in debt to my loyal friend and the remarkable artist, Woody Allen. He gave me such a gift with this role, and with this gift came acting with John Cusack, being lit by the great cinematographer Carlo De Palma, um, costumed by Jeffrey Curlin, working with Santo Laquasto, a great cast, a great crew. Um, my thanks also to Tracy Jacobs, Bobby Greenhut, Jean Domanian, and Harvey and Bob Weinstein. I have to thank my family, Martha, Harris Eulen, Kathleen Tolan, my brothers Greg and Donnie, Clarice, the Steve Tesiches, Arlene Donovan, and my sweet daughters, their sweet patients, Emily and Lily, without whom nothing is anything. And Sam Cohn is their godfather. If the world was a perfect place, every kid would have a godfather like Sam. So, I mean, she has some, some charming moments putting on her glasses. I feel like Diane Weist in her Oscar speech, it's, it's, um, it's not like Melissa Leo where she came out and did an act. Oh, God. When Diane Weist comes out, it's like, oh, this is just who you are in a ball gown. You know, like yeah. this is just good old Diane Weist, but she's just like, you know, renting jewelry. And yeah, so the Diane Weist squint. I love the squint. Uh, yeah. The squint. It's, uh, I feel like when you see someone like her just in an interview or just being herself, it's like, oh, wow, you're kind of like this all the time. Like, yeah, what a pleasure. What a yes. pleasure to hear you just speak. Um, do speak. Yeah. Do um, speak. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I can't, time is a weird thing. And we talked a little bit before we, we started recording. So I can't remember if I said this before we started recording or after, but I watched this twice. And the first time I watched it, I just, I, I was prepared to say, I don't think I could do this episode. I don't think I enjoy <gasps> this. I don't think I'm gonna be able to like queen out on this. And I know it was because I know I said this off, off air that like, we're all in quarantine and my poor neighbor upstairs I know is trying to, you know, uh, get her workouts in while New York sports club is closed. But when you live on the fourth floor of a fourth floor walk up, um, you have neighbors, sweetheart. And so yeah. maybe doing 20 minutes of jump rope isn't like the best option. So that was going <laughs> on while I was watching this movie uh. and, and it was, there's a lot of moments of like people fighting in this movie. So I'm yes. watching people fight. I'm listening to that. I'm getting riled up. And I was like, Oh, I hate this. Um, yeah. but then, uh, I watched it again this morning and I was like, Oh, I think once you take away the jump roping neighbor, this is actually a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that that happened to you. It's, Cause that, I mean, even if you enter a movie with it in a certain mood, it can affect everything too. So it's not mm -hmm. and, and then there's also just like whatever's happen happening around you too. That's unfortunate. Um, oh, the other moment I want to bring up, I'm going all over the place here too, That's but right. I want to bring up the Jim Broadbent moment that made me laugh. Jim Broadbent in this fat suit and his whole, his whole character <sighs> is just based on him eating the whole time, which is 
interesting to say the least but also yeah. when at the very end when they are when they are um is it cheech i think that's his name cheech, cheech. Mm-hmm. yeah they're they're trying to get cheech because they know that he <laughs> killed jennifer tilly um and they're chasing him through the wings and they shoot him or they're shooting at him i think they finally get him too but and then jim broadbent he just goes on with the show he's like i'm in the garden sylvia tending roses <laughs> <laughs> I Without mean, flinching. <clears throat> oh, yeah. God, it killed me. I think a similar beat that has a similar kind of like without flinching moment is when he when he enters on the stage like again and we see how fat he's gotten. Just <laughs> yeah. like the way he glides out and there's just this pitch perfect like holding it just long enough for us to get the joke. He was um, he was very best supporting actor kind of energy. He was really funny. Yeah, he was funny. such a treat. I yeah died when that happened because it's just it's it, it that's like the perfect example of the tone of the movie. It's like people are getting murdered backstage, and he just keeps on going, and it's and yeah. everyone's fine. Like the show doesn't mm-hmm. stop; it keeps on, <laughs> it keeps going. Yeah, oh, Jim Broadbent, uh, I love him so much. Yeah, I feel like Jim Broadbent and Tracy Ullman, like they. I felt like the two of them were really they they grounded this in a sort of absurdism because like both of their characters are like no one's wildly realistic, but I think they're the most cartoony in a way. Sure. Um, oh yeah. And are like really like good at playing cartoony characters living in the real world. Yeah. Uh and and it's like, you know, that's the this is the work that supporting actors do. They're yeah. not the star, but they are doing a lot of heavy lifting so that the stars can run the scene. Um, yes. And I, I think that that's, if you want a great example of supporting actors who never steal focus, but are like constantly doing stuff, Tracy Ullman and Jim Broadbent in this movie. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's, I would, um, I think I watched this like one and a half times. I was just, I wanted to watch the half of, uh, like something in the beginning. I just wanted to catch some things with Helen Sinclair at the beginning, but Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait to watch what everyone's doing. Because it is an ensemble movie mm-hmm. in that sense when they are rehearsals too. There's always something going on. Um, we didn't. I didn't finish the answer, but I also want to ask you the same thing. It's like to kind of toggle back and forth. Like could Jennifer Tilly have won the Oscar this year? I think it's like maybe if she had a little bit more star power. Because like you said, it definitely is. It has that vibe. It's like stealing the show. Who is this? I, I don't know if she was necessarily a newcomer at this point, but it definitely was a big breakout role for her um, mm. that I don't know. I, I just I really, really liked her and I didn't expect to like her so much um, the second time around because I've seen this movie before, too. But and yeah, she is annoying as fuck. Like she just is impossible to deal with. But like she's doing her job and I love that she has to like go through all of this with Cheech kind of right by her side and he's annoyed with her and even just the charms alone that like pink fluffy robe there's mm-hmm. a lot of um it's but I I get also because I feel like you might go the opposite direction that I'm going in but I, I I do understand how people could be like Jesus she's just like too much too much too much but I think it's just enough and maybe it was just the day Maybe I was just so charmed by the entire movie that I was just loving everything. A big bowl of fun soup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is a benefit to rewatching this because it's like when you then go back and see that scene where 
they're all meeting for the first day and she has the entrance and she's, you know, performing her hellos to everybody. And like, oh, normally I'm much more professional and uh, just all of, and then cutting to the actual like first day reading, she's, it, again, I think where I fell in love with this was not the big moments. Like there's that one scene where she and Cheech are rehearsing the script in that like oh, that's a good one. purple yeah. room. And I was just, and like the first time I saw it, I was just like, oh, shut up. But then like, I think once you appreciate where she has those smaller, quieter, more insecure moments mm-hmm. where she's not sure of herself, and then you see how that's contrasted with her just being kind of like, I don't, it's like a, it's a ridiculous version of confidence. Like she's very self-assured about, about who she is off stage you know um even from the first time we see her like there's just a confidence about her that has nothing to do with her actual talent and i Mm -hmm. think that that delusion that she plays is really fun to watch i think it is particularly um difficult to act poorly and and, Mm -hmm. and really read those lines in a way that doesn't feel like oh I'm Jennifer Tilly reading these lines terribly I think it's like I really believed her in those moments where she had to just do these terrible line readings and just really kind of get it out Um, so that's one thing and then the other part of it too is like when she comes home from her first day of rehearsal and she she knows that she's in over her head but she's Mm -hmm. more defensive about it she's like yeah they're I got to memorize all these lines and it's just so much. It's just like, she didn't know what she was getting herself into. She's like, I thought you said it was mm-hmm. a small part or something like that. And now she doesn't quite want what she thought she wanted, I guess. But you're right in saying too, that she doesn't, she has no idea how bad she is. She doesn't once say that she doesn't think that mm-hmm. she needs any improvement. She thinks she, that she's doing okay. But I think there is a little smidge of insecurity but not a lot uh, because it, the yeah. insecurity kind of humanizes her a bit, but it's not enough to like, you're never really rooting for her because she's just awful at the same time. Totally. Too. Totally. I'm yeah. never rooting for her, but I can see the glimpses of humanity. And I think yeah. that where I think this movie excelled is especially to talk about Diane Weist and her performance. As I said, I think there's like, to be totally honest, even the second time I watched it, my my journey with Diane Weiss in this movie was kind of similar to like watching Lee Grant and Shampoo. Like the first oh. half of the movie when it started, I was like really excited by her performance and everything she was doing and like was getting to do. And then as the movie went on, like in Shampoo, as the movie went on, Lee Grant's character gets a little more like, okay, all right, we're just kind of doing this now. Okay, Ooh, all right, okay, you know, it's a, fine. Yeah, It's not as like, it's not as dynamic as it was in the first half. And I felt... A little bit of that in this movie, whereas I felt like, you know, the moment we meet Helen, it's this great entrance, that great scene with Harvey Firestein. Um, but as it went on, I, I felt like, okay, we have like three of these like weird don't speak seduction scenes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't like, I know that I know that they're, they're driving the plot, but I felt like we were hitting the same beats over and over with her character. And that was, um, even though funny things were happening in the scene, like the scene on the train and whatnot, it was like, the scene on the train and the scene in the, in the bathroom at the party were not very different. Both fair, of them were just fair. kind of like, yeah. you know, her kind of putting the moves. And, um, but all that being said, I think where I was really excited by Diane Weist is when she would channel Glenn Close. And in particular, that moment when they, when they, on the first day, when she arrives at the theater and she takes that moment and she looks out and she says, 
this church. <laughs> so replete with memories, so full of ghosts. That was so Glenn Close. Oh, yes. And New it was York, this rock. Perfect. This yeah. rock, how it carried me. I, like, that was the moment, to be honest, where I was like, okay, this is why you have an Oscar is because... That moment, she sold the shit out of that moment. And then the dog barks. And it was like, was that a mutt? You know, <laughs> like it's. <laughs> and so that balance of playing like the 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 old theater diva who takes it way too seriously and calls the theater a church. Mm-hmm. And then this kind of like, was that a mutt? Like that, that you know, p- that pitch that she hits. I think that that change is where i really i think why i enjoyed this and if we didn't get those like this church moment i don't i don't know if i would have gotten on board with this being an oscar-winning performance wow oh, that's yeah. that's crucial for you then yeah i love that i mean because that is i mean it's also the magic of diane weist and it's also the magic of dare i say the script but it is it's like when they're it's like a voiceover because john cusack's character keeps a journal throughout the rehearsal process and mm-hmm. he's like things are going well even helen is warming up to the dog or whatever i'm butchering it mm-hmm. but like it's <laughs> a really great moment where like she's going to pet the dog and the dog like barks at her and she has this like it reminds me of her in the birdcage where she's just like she lets out this like yelp like scream and she like recoils it's magic i i love yeah. those little moments but i get it i get she doesn't really have much of um an ending helen sinclair because she's yeah. just kind of left at that party with um the producer or who is it uh i can't remember and and john cusack just kind of like runs off and fixes his life i guess yeah yeah i think yeah that's the last because that's the thing that last scene we see of her just sitting at the table the exact same thing happens in shampoo with lee grant the last oh, we see right. of her is just sitting at a table oh, what a comparison. And so maybe that's why i got stuck on that is we didn't get like i just needed another moment with her the other thing that i wanted to say in terms of performances that and actresses that this was reminding me of and just to kind of zoom in on a moment there's that scene at the bar after the first day of reading yes um when they have the 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 three martinis martinis. yeah yeah there's moments like that like she has a line where she says you see through me don't you where she is giving me such Kate Blanchett in so much of this movie interesting I would have never thought that comparison go on go on I I could see Kate Blanchett doing this if it was done if it was you know made in a different time other Helen St. Clair Sinclair's I keep wanting to call her St. Clair but it's Sinclair yes yeah uh yeah I feel like Kate Blanchett I mean maybe because and we can talk about this because I'm keen to talk about Blue Jasmine because I finally watched it you did in particular I did I did I finally watched it uh, especially after watching Streetcar Named Desire and kind of wanting to oh, see the parallels, yeah. which was fascinating. Um, but that was, I mean, I think that there were, I think, to be honest, I think the moments where Diane Weist was reminding me of Kate Blanchett where I was, where I was like, oh, okay, okay, I'm here. Like, now I'm seeing some nuance. Like, now, like, now she's got somewhere to go in this movie, you know? Yes. Um, it made me appreciate Kate Blanchett more, I guess. And like her ability to kind of ping pong from comedic to dramatic. Yes. And I, I mean, one of my favorite things about Blue Jasmine is how whoever she's around, much like Streetcar Named Desire, it's like, uh, I almost said Blanche Devereaux, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Blanche Dubois. 
sort of I think it's when she's with like Peter Sarsgaard in the movie and she, she's like going throughout the house and just talking about like the architecture or like she's talking about like how to decorate and like the mm-hmm. way that's like the Helen Sinclair moment because she I think they both just excel in a certain environment and I think she is really good at sort of schmoozing with a young writer to, to like to kind of like I'm the Broadway vet like let me tell you a couple stories about my day you know two martinis please it's just it's very mm-hmm. simple and also very it's seductive in a way she's trying to seduce him by like telling him that he's got a lot of talent this is Helen Sinclair we're talking about still and uh yeah, I think that, that that's another sort of nuance too. That I'm glad you brought that up. And I mean, any mm. comparison to Kate Blanchett, I mean, I mean, it's honestly, great. Yeah, it was. I mean, I I think for a long time I would have thought like, oh no, you compare other actors to Diane Weist. She is the Weist. Yeah. But I mean, I guess I guess I'm just I'm very much I. I think one of the, like the challenge I had with Bullets Over Broadway. I enjoyed this movie. I sound like I. I'm saying I didn't like it. I yeah. I really appreciated, especially just like the the plot move of like Cheech kind of helping secretly rewrite this play. I yes. thought that was all great. And like it moved the second half of the story along really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess in, you know, we've talked about a few Woody Allen movies now. And I think the... I think... I'm not a big Woody Allen fan. I think I can like land on that. Like I think I'm... I'm more and more put off by him sure. than I am like excited by him. But I think where his movies do succeed and it's largely the actors is that there are these moments that feel like you are just watching an actor work. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm sure Woody Allen gives direction, but it seems like he's letting them just do their work because there's so much that feels like you could never tell them to do that. And I think Diane Weist in Hannah and Her Sisters, there were a lot of moments of like, wow, this is just Diane Weist bringing her magic and like, you know, spinning this script. Yeah. Bullets over Broadway, I think it, the script is so much more involved and it's so much less about like the nuances the actors bring because it's about this like tight screwball crime script, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Blue Jasmine is kind of a little bit more of a, a Hannah and Her Sisters where it's like, there's so many moments, especially with Kate Blanchett, where it's like, you just said action and she just said, okay, I'm going to do a bunch of shit. Like oh, yeah. it's, it, I think that that's, I appreciate that there will be long set pieces that just let actors act. I think is the short way of the long winded thing I was just saying is yeah, that Woody Allen will that. create acting set pieces. Yes. Ooh, Sally Hawkins is so um, good in blue Jasmine too. I just wanted to say that. Okay. So Did I do not mean, like her. I don't want to divert us oh, off of bullets over Broadway goodness. too much. Oh, you were enjoying but it. I, I felt like her act, no, I felt like her accent kept slipping and slipping Ooh. and slipping. It's been a while. Maybe I need to revisit it. Okay. Well, here's the thing is what Sally Hawkins did really well is um, she nailed a Bay Area accent. When she nails it, her like Bay Area accent is, I was like, wow, most actors don't think to do this. And yeah. like, I, because a lot of people I work with live in San Francisco, like half the company's based in San Francisco. Um, I lived in Sacramento for a little while. So, like, I, I thought that was a great nuance. Um, but there were moments where it was like, oh, that was, that was someone oh, no. else had to have heard that oh. accent. Yeah. It's hard. It's definitely hard. I mean, I, I understand that that is work too. So. It's hard. 
but then Tony Collette nails the Philadelphia accent in the sixth sense. Yeah, like I mean Tony Tony's on a different impeccable. Level. Tony's on a different level. <laughs> um just uh but anyway, uh the other thing I'll say about Blue Jasmine is I was shocked at how good Andrew Dice Clay was. Yeah, he's he great. Play, yeah. He really he was, is. I was like, wow, he was perfect yeah. in the role. So um and Bobby kind of valley, oh my god, he's so hot. I, I just know, like he really is. Ugh. Ugh. What a brute. Um, Bobby baby. Bobby yeah. baby. What a brute. Ugh. He is a brute. Yeah. He's a brute. Uh so anyway, to to bring us back to Bullets Over Broadway, I I it's interesting. Yeah, this is one of the ones I think that yeah, I I liked, but I, I maybe didn't get as much out of. Um, but that doesn't mean that your enjoyment of it is invalid. I'm yeah. curious if you if you have moments where you're like, oh, this is where she won the Oscar for me. Ooh. It's like I'm sure I probably covered it. I didn't have one specific moment, but I think that um I think that first scene really with Harvey Firestein that we didn't really talk about too, there's a lot to mm-hmm. unpack there as well. It's like She's playing the, you know, the diva who hasn't, is out of work, but also like still, I don't know. It's funny to it's, it was fun to see her sort of like, um, go from like, I'm not doing this to like, maybe I can do this. Like how many times has Harvey Firestein had to like talk her off this ledge or talk her, oh, yeah. you know, into doing something too. But I'd say for the most part too, it's like a lot of them were script related too, but it's like line delivery. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the idea of that, um. What did she say? Motor oil with that line about uh, you can cut it with some club soda. Oh, it's paint removal. Yeah. Oh, paint um, removal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I the roar of the weast is just like one thing in its own too. I think um, that really sells it for me. But I do like the juxtaposition, like just the pivot of, which is probably your moment too. And I probably wouldn't have thought of it had you not mentioned it. But now I'm kind of stealing it from you when she does say like this church. And then immediately mm-hmm. pivots to, but all those little moments. Um, but I did, I mean, I wrote, I don't know when she puts her fingers, the tops of her fingers under her chin, but it was definitely a choice where I was like, Ooh, I like what you're doing a lot there, but mm. I can't remember what part of the movie it was. So all those little things um, add up to the moment, I guess when she wanted to, but what, what would you say for you? It was this pause or this look in her eye when she like, went downstage and started that whole this church speech that it was like you know like when they when when a reaction shot is held like just for like a second or two longer and you're like oh that was a moment that was not just like uh a cut that was like oh we went on like a mini face journey with a character yes you know and and it's and it just those things always like like jump out to me it's like oh that was an unexpected beat you know yes. to bring it back to the very beginning of the episode it's like when alexis mateo says it's crazy right and like looks at her fingers yeah it's just an unexpected beat i i don't plan for it and it's and i think in the case of bolts over broadway that little pause that she took and like the real kind of like gravitas that she took on it like it, it stopped me mm-hmm. and like made me pay attention and i didn't even though that moment is supposed to be kind of ridiculous. Yes. The fact that she kind of sells it, I think is what excite me. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. And just yeah. the voice work, I think in general too, like that she does, it's, it's, it's the majority of why this character works so well. And it's, I love hearing that mm-hmm. story of how she didn't quite know how to find her at first. I love that. That's a yeah. good little yeah, behind the scenes moment. I think Diane Weist is great. I think I've, 
I loved how much fun she was clearly having with this character. I guess I just have seen her be given more to do in other movies, and I there wasn't enough grieving in this movie. <laughs> that clearly is but the where's problem. Where's the grief? Yeah. Where's the grief? Where is the grief? Like, yes. uh, so you know. That's the, that's the most important factor to me is like, what's the grief factor? Is anyone grieving? Yeah, maybe there's like a scene at the bar where she talks about like losing a role or something or like in the past, oh. like I never thought I'd work again or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, it was, I mean, certainly though, uh, if y'all can track it down, it's definitely worth watching. Oh yeah, good um, luck. She's... Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, but maybe it's on Pluto TV, but, who knows? But maybe it's on, but... You know, we have sung the praises of Pluto TV and may have one more reason to. Yeah, so. exactly. The hours is playing right now. Tune in. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. Mean Girls on TBS. It's playing right now. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. All the time. <laughs> uh, well, um, well, this was fun. I'm glad that we uh, I'm glad that we gave some more love to the Weast. Yes, I would love always. to continue that journey. Um might be fun to do an episode. We talked about, obviously, the the birdcage. Yeah. But uh, I also love her in that movie, Rabbit Hole, which, of course, is all about <gasps> oh, grief. Oh, yes. That monologue. I would that love monologue. to read the play and then watch the movie, too, because I'm sure there's a lot more yeah. to dig up in the play. Um, yeah. That's an... Yeah, maybe just like a weast feast. <laughs> a <laughs> weast feast? A weast feast. The yeah. feast of the weast. Something like the that. Just a weast. couple of like her performances. We can just... I think it'd be great. Yeah. yeah, and it could just be like moments. It could be like that scene in the birdcage, uh, you know, at the house where she has this like one great monologue and then an, oh, Kevin moment. Yes, uh, yes we could yes. do the the grief monologue and rabbit hole. Yeah, uh, there's probably some great moments from Edward Scissorhands. Oh yeah, yeah the makeup. <laughs> yeah, so She's there, I think like concealer. <laughs> Just like putting it on his face. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, so maybe we'll do that. We'll do like a little weast feast. That would be cute. It'll be fun. I love that. Yeah. Um, oh. well, well, um, did you have any, uh, BSA today updates you wanted to share with anybody? Oh uh, yeah. I have a few things here. Um, I, I read a Vulture article, um, and at this point it was like two weeks ago that Netflix is opting out of award season, the award season circuit this year, which is a little sad. Um, wow. so there's, cause there was the reason why I'm really bringing this up is because there was this hillbilly elegy movie that was supposed to be an Amy Adams and Glenn Close vehicle. Yep. For a possible Oscar win for Glenn or whatever. Yep. Um, that's not happening anymore. I mean, I think maybe the movie might be happening, but the the consideration... Or maybe they're just not releasing it. I'm not sure. It's like, I didn't read the whole article, but... Um, yeah. I'm which is thing. sad, that's though. So, crazy. yeah. Um, and another film that we won't be seeing because of that, too, it's, it's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things, starring Tony Collette and Jesse Plemons. Something about, um, yeah, I feel like either, I think Tony Collette plays his mom and I feel like either him, I feel like it's him or he's having like thoughts of suicide or there's some, there's some sort of like suicide theme within that movie. So it sounds heavy. Tony Collette mm-hmm. as a mom dealing with that sounds delicious. Oh my God. Um, Ugh. so though, but that's sad. I, I, I am, I mean, award season this year, obviously there are more important things to think of too. It's like the Tony awards were supposed to be just this last Sunday, um, yeah, I don't know what's I'm I'm still I kind of peruse Gold Derby and uh, the film experience dot net just to kind of see like, you know, the predictions are still happening. So I I think it'll probably be I wonder if it'll just be like a virtual Emmys. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Is like, I mean, because it's obviously the Oscars would happen in you know February, but there's a whole you know months of movies not being released, and so yeah. uh, it, the the movies and, and performances in consideration are going to be much more limited. So yeah, it's a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about real quick is just like some streaming releases on and for the month of June on Netflix and Amazon Prime because there's some good ones. And like I we mentioned mm-hmm. it before, West Side Story is now on Netflix as of June first, which is a delight. So go just watch Rita Moreno for days. I just have it on yeah. in the background sometimes. Um, I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know you do. Uh, and then Lady Bird, um, Lady Bird is on Netflix. I think it was on Prime before it was on Netflix, but um, it's mm-hmm. also on Netflix and Amazon Prime, of course, with um, Laurie, Metcalf, Laurie Metcalf. What a performance that was. We, we should oh. cover that one year. One year. Um, one day. <laughs> one of these years, yeah. And then um, Knives Out is also on Amazon Prime, I think, already. Nope, in a couple days. It is um, on June 12th it's being released, which, if anything, watch it for Anna de Armas because – it's such a great movie too. It's like, I, I want to watch yeah. that. I always crave that movie. And just looking at Chris Evans for, you know, an hour and a half is lovely. Yeah. There's something about that movie that feels like, and maybe it's because that's when I saw it, but it just feels like a fun movie to watch in the fall. I don't know yeah. why. It feels like a fall movie. It does. It's know? like a thanksgiving movie, I think. I think it might have came out around yeah. Christmas or, or a holiday movie for sure, but... um it's fantastic, so everyone go see that. But that's all I have for a BSA today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, great. Well, uh, that, of course, brings us to our last segment of the episode, which is our BSA of the week, which, uh, as you all know, is a performance or a person or a food or a thing or a song or anything in our lives that is acting as the best supporting actress in our lives right now. Um, any nominees? Ooh, um, Kiana and I watched... We were so late to the party, but we found it on some streaming platform. But we watched the movie Her. Have you seen that movie? Oh, with Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix. and the and the little Siri love story. Yeah, and um, Amy Adams, Colin, a little oh. a delightful supporting actress. Sort of, she doesn't have a lot to do, and it's a very like understated role. But I was happy to see her. I really loved the I think movie. I saw, yeah. Yeah, I think I saw like part of it years ago, so I don't really remember it. It's an interesting sort of like, you know, exploration of modern love and, you know, the 21st century too. But I I really liked Joaquin Phoenix. It's a beautiful film, like just the colors and the way the art direction and how everything is. I forgot to mention too in Bullets Over Broadway that the costuming is amazing. I was one of my notes that I forgot. Mm. Like everything that Helen Sinclair wears is incredible. That being said. Um, so we watched yeah. that. We watched um, a couple other movies that are escaping me right now, but uh that's okay but really it was uh amy was great in that um and that's really my only nominee i was trying to think of things but not really too much going on over here how about you do you have any nominees i think i've just got my winner this week which okay. i can yeah, i go can for it go forward with so i have been it's been a i've been watching mrs america which we've talked about you know yes uh, that's featuring right Kate blanchett and uh and tracy ullman oh yes um you know, as well as uh, Rose Margo Byrne Martindale, Margot Martindale, Elizabeth yeah, Elizabeth Banks, Uzo Aduba, um, a great uh, performance that I haven't finished the series, but I still think my favorite person in the show has been Gene Triplehorn as Phyllis Schlafly's sister. Yes, that is I, a great got, role. Oh, she's got some great scenes. Like, that's some in the detail shit. She's so good. Mm-hmm. But... 
I, you know, I sometimes, and this has happened before, where I'll be watching something and Sarah Paulson will be in it. And I'll be like, oh, okay, Sarah Paulson. Sometimes when I watch Sarah Paulson, I feel like I'm watching Sarah Paulson play this. And I'm not really watching a transformation. And then it'll finally turn for me. I'm like, okay, she's working real hard. This is great. Yes. I mean, the the People versus O.J. Simpson, the Marsha, Marsha, Marsha episode. It was like, okay, this is not just Sarah Paulson in a wig. Like, this is pretty great. Oh, it's great. Um, Her lip, the way she, oh, I love that. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's really like, uh, it's the moment where you got to give it to her. And I think she has a, she has a similar episode in Mrs. America because for much of the series, you're like, she kind of plays some of the same notes. She's not terribly likable. She's kind of on the wrong side of things, but then I won't give anything away if you haven't seen it, but the episode called Dallas is mostly about her and I loved it i and maybe i also loved where what happens to her character and with her character but i it's sarah paulson carries this episode on her shoulders and it's so good it's really great and it's um you know i haven't finished i don't know if the last episode is out yet but it's been kind of hard to watch because like you kind of know that despite all of these women's actions and work, like the ERA is not going to be passed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's an unhappy, and if you don't, if you knew that, so, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> but it's not going to be a happy ending yeah. for our protagonists. And I'm sure the show will find a way to end without being a total fucking downer, Sure, but it's been kind of hard to like descend to that reality, especially nowadays to like watch yes. a show where like a big movement for civil rights is, um, not gonna win and not gonna be passed it's like i don't really need to like live that out right yeah now. God. Uh, <laughs> but uh n- episode nine i think it's nine or eight or maybe episode eight dallas is um great it's a winner it's baby really re- yeah it's a winner baby so that is my bsa of the week is sarah paulson in that episode yay Ooh, i do love sarah paulson and i do love her and oj um mm-hmm Yay. All right. Um, I'm going to go with mine then. So, I mean, we talked about it earlier before right off the bat, but my BSA of the week is RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 5. Just as a whole. I just... Yeah. I am so energized by it and it's sparking so much joy because Amanda and I on Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour, we, we've, we kind of, you know, packed up our bags and said, I think we're done mm-hmm. with Drag Race who knows what will happen after our first episode. Maybe we'll get some terrible reviews and shut it up again. Um, but Who knows? I think, it's always encouraging. Yeah, yeah. but we're going to push forward anyway. Um, but it's just, I, Amanda said this in our episode too, that it just feels like a warm hug. It's like a, a call back to mm-hmm. a lot of the golden age of, um, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race. A lot of season three gals too. And of course, Alexis Mateo being one of them. I'm so tickled by Angina and everything that she brings to these episodes. Mm-hmm. I hope she stays around. I'm <clears throat> worried that she might not, but uh, who knows? And Juju B, my gosh, it's like Juju B, yeah. Alexis, and Angina. Like those are my three queens that I'm just having so fun. I'm having, I'm having so fun. I'm having so much fun watching them already. And it was only episode one. So yeah, and the cast is great. The cast is really great. So I'm excited i'm just excited to watch drag race again i never thought i would say that like out loud again <laughs> so mm-hmm. so that's that yeah. that is that is my bsa i watched the episode three times i might even watch it a fourth it was just awesome i loved it oh yeah 
I it's one of those ones I would put on again mm-hmm. <clears throat> if I needed something fun to watch. Yeah. It really is. I mean, I was surprised at how much fun it was. Yeah. And uh, certainly, you know, I, Johnny and I have kind of navigated that of like, hmm, how much longer do we want to be a drag race podcast? We, we do other shows and other stuff, but like that's obviously like the cornerstone of what we do yeah. and like what brings in a big audience. But I mean, yeah, uh, you know, it especially after season 12 like i was just like i don't know how much more i want to do this yeah. and then all stars 5 came and i was like okay okay yeah no this is fun i can do this yes um yeah it's so a good time. uh it's a good time mm-hmm. it's, it's a nice i mean talk about like a nice like just give your brain a break every week it's exactly what that's exactly what this is yeah and i'm digging the new format i think like the lip sync assassin thing is really cool i'm excited to see who shows up i love the idea of the the ten thousand dollars each week kind of rolling over i think that ups the stakes it's they're being smart about it i think it's a good because even on all stars three and even especially all stars four it was like i was i think the format was getting a little stale um so i'm certainly glad that they shook things up a bit too so i'm excited yeah and this is all stars people crazy right <laughs> Welcome to All Stars. Welcome to All Stars. It's crazy, yeah. right? These, these girls are bringing the beef to the salad. Oh, it's All Stars people. It's, it's crazy, so right? God bless Alexis oh, well, Mateo. Yeah. God bless Alexis and whatever was on her fingers. I love yeah. it. Um, well, uh, that of course is our cue to be getting played uh, off. Bring it on. We're ready. We're fine. You don't have to play us off. We'll go. Um, we're going. But before we go, uh, where could people find more of you? Wow! Finally, I have a couple things to say here too. So I'm releasing my um, No Good, Very Bad, Gay episode, my All About Eve episode, on actually today because it will be Wednesday when this episode is released. Um, so you can tune into that. You can also find me on the Squirrel Friends Cocktail Hour every week talking about RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 5. Um, and you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Kochanov. How about you, Colin? Well, I'm going to have finally a new episode of In the Details this Ooh. week, um, which is going to be a Golden Girls-themed <gasps> yes. uh, deep dive. Wow. So uh, I think we'll do a few of those. I'm very excited. Uh, so that will be coming out this week, probably like Thursday or Friday. Uh, and of course, you can find me in All Right Mary, talking about now All-Stars 5. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Colin Drucker and Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. Um, and of course, Best Supporting Podcast is on Twitter at yeah. BSA Pod. And we're available by email. Uh, how would that happen? You can email thebsapod at gmail.com with any of your Fabulous. concerns, questions, or uh, thoughts, really. Yeah. Yeah. What do you What do you want to hear us queen out about? What Diane Weist yeah, we need a third. do you want to see <clears throat> yeah. added to the feast? Yeah. Um, well, folks, it has been a hoot and holler, and uh, we are thank you, thank you to Jennifer Tilly and uh, yeah, you Jim know, Broadbent, Diane Weiss, Tracy Ullman, uh, I guess Mary Louise Parker. <laughs> I guess Mary Louise Parker. Thanks for you know, thanks for showing up. Yeah, um, and uh, and Kate Blanchett for kind of showing up in spirit. Oh, I enjoyed yeah. that as well. She has to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that's all we've got. Yeah, so as they say, that is as they say. I'll turn this into something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that as they say is that. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. <laughs>